0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, March 10, 2023 edition of the Greeley Tribune. My name is Thomas Fears. Today we'll be reading the following main articles. Managing Traffic Congestion by Trevor Reed. Book Review Committee OK's Beloved for High School Libraries by Anne Delaney, Devlin Disrupts University's Offense by Bobby Fernandez, and A Different Team Now by Bobby Fernandez, and following up with miscellaneous articles. U.S. 34 Corridor, Managing Traffic Congestion. U.S. 34 Coalition to Set Up Northern Colorado's First Traffic Management Organization, by Trevor Reed, T-R-E-I-D, at GreeleyTribune.com. As more people arrive and more jobs are created along the U.S. 34 corridor, traffic on the highway becomes more congested. With growth expected to continue in northern Colorado, the U.S. 34 Coalition which includes community leaders from Greeley, Windsor, Weld County, and other area communities, has set out to create an organization to promote multimodal options and reduce congestion along the highway, according to Alex Gordon, a transportation planner with the North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization. The Colorado Department of Transportation's Office of Innovative Mobility recently awarded more than $600,000 in grants to communities across the state, including $100,000 for the development of a transportation management organization on the U.S. 34 corridor. Transportation management organizations are key in transportation demand management, which promotes different modes of travel. To reduce single occupancy vehicle trips. The North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization, a non voting member of the U.S. 34 Coalition, along with CDOT, in December, adopted a Transportation Demand Management Action Plan with five goals 1. Enhance collaboration between local communities, businesses, regional and state agencies, and other parties. 2. Create and enhance regional transportation demand management programming. 3. Improve data collection, supporting new and expanded investments and programming. 4. Invest in infrastructure and resources for additional options and to help people make informed transportation choices. 5. Communicate the purpose, benefits, and successes of different mobility options. The plan describes transportation demand management as a toolbox of strategies that can include rewards, subsidies, additional investments, and individualized travel trainings and educational opportunities. The plan lists the development of a transportation management organization among its strategies. The U.S. 34 coalition's organization would be northern Colorado's first, There are nine such organizations across the state, eight of which are in the Denver area, and one along Interstate 70. Transportation management organizations, or TMOs, are responsible for implementing transportation demand management programs. They use programming, outreach, and marketing to reduce single-occupancy vehicle trips. This means getting more people to walk, bike, use transit, vanpool, Carpool and telecommute the u s thirty four coalition's Tmo will focus on marketing and memberships, advocacy and legislation, and transportation programs and services, all of which are under development. Local communities will provide a local match to the c dot grant in addition to an existing one hundred twelve thousand five hundred dollars funding promise from the North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization's Planning Council. The funds are expected to support the program for its first two years. After that, it will need additional funding sources to continue operating. The North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization identified recent state legislation setting greenhouse gas reduction goals and other rulemakings as drivers for the development of a regional transportation demand management program a website for CDOT's Strategic Transportation Demand Management Grant Program, says the programs also help to maintain the reliability of the travel network, make the most out of the existing transportation network, and reduce ozone and pollutants from traffic. The North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization is also developing its 2050 Regional Transportation Plan, Members of the public are invited to participate through the corridor visioning activity through the end of the month. For more information, go to nfrmpo.org slash rtp slash 2050 hyphen rtp. The U.S. 34 Coalition, which also includes community leaders from Evans, Johnstown, Kersey, Loveland, and Larimer County, was created as a result of the U.S. 34 Planning and Environmental Linkage Study. In addition to being involved in the TMO, the coalition is expected to continue its focus on implementing the Planning and Environmental Linkage Study. Estes Park, though not a member of the coalition, will be a member of the TMO. The North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization will contract with CDOT over the next few months, with the U.S. 34 TMO expected to begin later this year. Greeley-Evans School District 6 Book Review Committee OK's Beloved for High School Libraries by Anne Delaney, A-D-E-L-A-N-E-Y, at GreeleyTribune.com Beloved, the first of 15 book titles to be reviewed by a Greeley-Evans School District 6 committee has been recommended to remain in high school libraries. The 25-person District 6 Book Review Committee, which convened earlier this year in response to complaints filed by parents and district residents about books in District 6 schools, filed its review of the Toni Morrison novel with Superintendent Deidre Pilk late last month. Pilk sent a letter dated Tuesday to complainants who submitted a public complaint form on the book and the letter and the four-page recommendation were posted on the district website the same day. Pilk backed the committee's recommendation. In her letter, Pilk said, Any parent or guardian in District 6 may request a school limit their students' access to library material, a process that was available before the recent complaints. Parents and guardians may also request to receive notifications of books checked out by their students. Complainants may appeal Pilk's decision to the District 6 Board of Education within 10 working days of the decision. The deadline for appeal is March 21. The committee is scheduled to review 14 other books through June 2024, though the timeline could be altered. The next book to be reviewed is The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. The committee's recommendation also says in the middle and K-8 through schools, where Beloved is part of the inventory, the schools should provide phone and email notifications to parents so they are aware their students checked out a book with mature themes. The committee was comprised of five community members, five parents, two recent graduates of District 6, six teachers, four district administrators, and three facilitators. The facilitators were led by retired assistant superintendent Wes Tuttle, who signed the recommendation. At the time of the committee's review of Beloved, the book was located in three comprehensive high school libraries, Greeley Central, Greeley West, and Northridge. The book was also located in two middle or K-8 through schools, Chapel Isle K-8 Arts Magnet and Franklin Middle School. The copy at Franklin was lost during the 2020-2021 through school year, but remains on the school's inventory, according to the committee report. On the recommendation to allow the book to remain in high school libraries, the committee said it weighed the relative literary value of the material as a whole, with the consideration of the maturity of students and standards of the community. The finding is Beloved is educationally suitable for the maturity of high school students, despite its inclusion of content or language that might be considered offensive. The book explores topics of motherhood, violence, slavery, and the difficulties of moving forward when haunted by the past, according to the Banned Books Project at Carnegie Mellon University. At Chapelau and Franklin... The committee encourages school staff to work directly with students who desire to read Beloved to discuss and process the mature themes, according to the committee report. The committee also says the book should only be made available to students in 6th through 8th grades at Chapala. The committee also recommends any middle school that opts to include Beloved in its libraries in the future follow the recommendations in the report, including providing parent notifications. The committee outlined seven concerns it considered during a discussion of the potential negative impact of allowing students access to the book. Those concerns were, the book includes passages depicting mature content addressed in the complaint forms, including themes such as sodomy, abuse, graphic sexual content, rape, bestiality, nudity, and sexual excitement. In district libraries, there might not always be a safe person or staff member available to help process the mature content and what might trigger students through their own lived experiences. The book raised memories of discomfort similar to learning about other gruesome historical events like Hiroshima or the Holocaust prison camps, making it difficult to read due to the heavy content and leaving an enduring impression. When thinking through a middle school lens, particularly for 6th and 7th grade students, it might be difficult to articulate and understand the literary value. However, some middle school students may have the capacity to understand what they are reading and how it correlates to what they are learning at school, including slavery and the Reconstruction Era. It may require some support to explain the value this book contributes to our society, especially for that age group, Eighth graders may benefit from this book with guidance. Parents of younger students should be notified to have the chance to take part in the discussion of the mature themes because everyone is unique and understands things differently. As a high-level piece of literature, it may be very difficult to read and understand for young people. If read out of context or without some kind of support, it might be confusing, and some students might miss the underlying meaning. A number of young people might give up because they do not follow what is happening. For example, it may take reading a few chapters to get into the rhythm of reading a book because Morrison switches her writing style throughout the novel. The use of a summary was necessary for the first few chapters to help think through and understand what is being conveyed through the story. Regarding age appropriateness in middle schools, there are some students who may be able to follow along and understand the context, but in a K-8 school library, students in grades K-5 through would also have access to the book. There should be a process in place to restrict their access. The committee said it considered feedback and concerns on the book, including the review of the 175 complaint forms. Complainants and other community members were given an opportunity to sign up and speak to the committee or to submit written comments two weeks before the first meeting, January 31. No one signed up to speak, according to the recommendation. The committee received written comments to support the inclusion of the book in district libraries. Weld County Council Applications Open for Vacant Seat on Council by Trevor Reed T-R-E-I-D at GreeleyTribune.com. The Weld County Council is accepting applications for a vacancy on the council after a member resigned. The District 1 position was vacated by Rupert Parchment, who was elected to the council in 2020. The district encompasses the northern half of Weld County, including parts of Greeley. Weld County residents, 21 and older, living in the district who are eligible to vote may apply for the position to serve for the remainder of the term, which expires December 31, 2024. Applicants must have resided in the county for at least one year. A map showing the county districts can be found at www.co.weld.co.us slash maps slash elections. Applicants should submit a statement about their desire to apply for the position, including biographical information. Resumes may also be attached. Applications must be submitted by Wednesday to the Weld County Council, P.O. Box 758, 1150 O Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80632, or to county Council at weldgov.com. Finalists will be contacted and interviewed at the Council's next meeting on March 20. The Weld County Council is responsible for reviewing all aspects of county government, issuing periodic written reports. It also has five other functions, setting salaries of elected county officials, filling vacancies on the Board of County Commissioners and the Council, Suspending an elected official, formally charged or indicted for a crime, or when a valid recall petition is presented, at the council's discretion. Reviewing conflicts of interest between any county officer, member of an appointed board, or employee, as well as any enterprise or organization doing business within the county. And considering requests from the commissioners to grant an increased mill levy. The county council was created by the Weld County Home Rule Charter in 1976 and consists of five members, one for each district and two at-large members. Its other members include Nancy Texton, representing District 2, James Welch, representing District 3, and Cindy Beamer and Elijah Hatch, the at-large members. Parchment has not returned an email inquiring about his resignation. For more information, go to Wealth.gov slash government slash departments slash county hyphen council. Catalytic Converter Theft. Applications open for state program assisting victims. By Morgan McKenzie. M-M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E at GreeleyTribune.com Victims of catalytic converter theft in Colorado have until the end of the month to apply for a financial assistance program. Applications are open until March 31, but the Colorado State Patrol encourages people to apply early because the first-time program funds are limited. To qualify, applicants must be a current registered owner of a vehicle, titled and registered through the Colorado Department of Revenue, that had its catalytic converter stolen in Colorado. The catalytic converter either has not been replaced yet, or the date of replacement is February 7 or later. Have filed and obtained official police reports from a Colorado law enforcement agency about the theft. Have insurance covering the vehicle, as required under state law, at the time of the theft. Have or be willing to have all repairs funded under this program completed by using OEM replacement catalytic converters or other converters approved for use by Colorado law. Documentation of the installation is required have installed or agree to install a CAT etch label to the catalytic converter immediately after the completion of a replacement to the vehicle to prevent further theft. Assistance will only apply to the vehicle owners who can have the repairs completed by June 1. The Catalytic Converter Assistance Program, created by the Colorado Auto Theft Prevention Authority and Colorado State Legislature, allows people to receive financial assistance to replace stolen catalytic converters, according to a Colorado State Patrol news release. The impacts of catalytic converter theft often include temporary loss of a vehicle until repairs are made, replacement and installation costs of the catalytic converters, and potential effects on insurance rates, the release said. A committee will review all applications to determine the recipients of the limited assistance such as the reimbursement and final amount of each award. To apply, go to bit.ly slash 3F7DY75. Bond Violation Officer Locates Meth During Traffic Stop by Morgan McKenzie, mmckenzie at greelytribune.com. A 27-year-old man faces a special offender charge after police found him in violation of his bond conditions for possessing weapons and narcotics. At 2.30 a.m., February 26, a Platteville police officer conducting traffic enforcement on US-85 near mile marker 248.5 in Platteville saw a Mercedes-Benz sedan driving at high speeds, the officer confirmed a speed of 102 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. The officer pulled the vehicle over, driven by 27 year old Adalberto Vega Sanchez, according to arrest records. During contact, the officer smelled a strong odor of marijuana coming from the car. When Vega Sanchez searched for his documents, the officer also saw a device used for smoking narcotics that appeared to have residue in the glass bowl end of the device. Vega Sanchez couldn't provide valid insurance for the vehicle. During clearance, the officer learned Vega Sanchez had an active protection order that prevented him from purchasing or possessing firearms, arrest records said. It also prevented him from possessing alcohol or controlled substances. Both protection order stipulations were bond conditions, the officer noted. The officer then asked Vega Sanchez to step out of the vehicle to initiate a probable cause search of the car. While searching the vehicle, the officer found a partial box of ammunition, three devices for smoking narcotics, an open marijuana container, a loaded firearm, a second firearm, and a Ziploc baggie that contained a white and brown powdery substance that tested positive for 35.1 grams of methamphetamine the affidavit said. The officer said he believed Vega Sanchez had the intent to distribute the contents of the baggie due to the high amount of the substance. During Vega Sanchez's arrest, the officer also located a small crystal-like substance that tested positive for methamphetamine. His past criminal history shows he was convicted of prior felonies. He pled guilty October 4 to possession of a controlled substance charge, according to online court records. Vega Sanchez was booked into the Weld County Jail on suspicion of a special offender charge, two counts of possession of controlled substance charges, possession of a weapon by previous offender charges, two violation of bond conditions, and additional offenses. A judge set his bond to $30,000, online records said he will appear for a disposition hearing 2.30 p.m., May 12. Suspected Unlawful Distribution Greeley Man Charged as Special Offender by Morgan McKenzie, mmckenzie at GreeleyTribune.com A 65-year-old man remains in custody at the Weld County Jail for allegedly distributing fentanyl pills to a runaway juvenile. On March 3, Weld County Drug Task Force investigators responded to the 800 block of 35th Avenue in Greeley to interview Kevin Decker, 65, about the distribution of narcotics to a 13-year-old runaway juvenile. During the interview, Decker admitted to supplying the juvenile with fentanyl pills on several occasions. According to arrest records, Investigators began to take Decker into custody, but prior to his transport, he asked for several things, including his shoes and his house keys. As the investigators went to grab the keys out of his bedroom, they observed, in plain sight, a baggie containing suspected cocaine on the nightstand. The affidavit said In the drawer where Decker said the keys were, investigators found a pistol, ammunition, and several pistol magazines. As a result, an investigator applied for a search warrant for Decker's home. During the search, two baggies containing a substance that tested positive for cocaine were collected from Decker's bedroom. One bag weighed 28.6 grams, and the other weighed 9.2 grams. Two baggies of methamphetamine, one weighing 10.8 grams and 2.2 grams, were also collected from his bedroom. In addition, Two baggies of counterfeit blue oxycodone pills were found in the home. One bag contained a single pill, and the other contained two pills. The pills weren't field-tested, but those types of pills are sold on the street and marketed as containing fentanyl, according to the investigator. The search warrant also uncovered six firearms inside Decker's bedroom. Two loaded pistols were found under his pillow on his bed, two shotguns, and a rifle were located in the corner of his bedroom, near his nightstand. One rifle was found inside a case in the bedroom closet. In the kitchen, investigators found a ledger on the table that listed prices for cocaine and methamphetamine for various weights up to an ounce. A digital scale was located in a drawer near the kitchen table. Using the Weld County Assessor's Office mapping software, one of the investigators learned Decker's home was also 491 feet from Franklin Middle School in the 800 block of 35th Avenue. People who distribute narcotics within 1,000 feet of a school are recognized as special offenders, arrest records said. Decker is in custody at the Weld County Jail on suspicion of two counts of unlawful distribution of Schedule II controlled substances with special offender enhancers. He also faces charges of distributing to a minor, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and child abuse. The district attorney's office will return the filing of charges against Decker at 3.30 p.m. today. He has an advisement hearing at 8.30 a.m. Tuesday. District 6 opens kindergarten registration for non-charter schools. Greeley-Evans School District 6 this week opened kindergarten registration for non-charter schools for the 2023-24 school year. Children must be 5 years old by October 1 to register for kindergarten for the next school year, according to a news release from the district. To register online, to view the schedule of open houses at elementary and K through 8 schools, and to watch a video outlining registration instructions, visit www.greeleyschools.org/kindergarten. For assistance with the registration process, please contact the district 6 admissions office at 970-348-6062 or email Admissions at GreeleySchools.org. Registration opened Wednesday. Students will be enrolled in their neighborhood schools based on parent or guardian primary address or an approved and accepted open enrollment application. Charter schools may have different age requirements, enrollment processes, policies, and timelines. If your child is attending a charter school next year, contact that school directly for more information. For kindergarten registration at non-charter schools, parents and guardians must be prepared to provide child's birth certificate, immunization records, and proof of address, such as a recent utility bill, lease agreement, or closing papers from the purchase of a home. To find your child's school of attendance, go to www.greeleyschools.org slash boundarysearch. Del Taco reopens after ventilation concerns. A Greeley fast food restaurant was temporarily closed this week as repairs were made to the ventilation system over the restaurant's cooking surfaces. On Wednesday morning, concerns about the ventilation system at Del Taco, 2913 23rd Avenue, led to the closure out of an abundance of caution, according to Greeley Fire Marshal Bob Fries. Nothing serious, it just wasn't exhausting properly. So they were just getting some of the smoke into the building itself instead of exhausting out the hood, Fry said. A Wednesday afternoon email to Del Taco's corporate public relations team inquiring about the closure, and an expected reopening date has not been returned, but the restaurant was operating again by Thursday evening. Stampede Troop to Bring a Comedy of Tenors to UCCC The Stampede Troupe will bring A Comedy of Tenors, written by Ken Ludwig, to Greeley in the Hensel Phelps Theater at the Union Colony Civic Center, 701 10th Avenue. The show kicks off its run this weekend with shows at 7 p.m. tonight and Saturday with a 2 p.m. show on Sunday. Theater fans will have another chance to see the production when the cast takes the stage again, 7 p.m. Friday, March 17 and Saturday, March 18, as well as a 2 p.m. matinee on Sunday, March 19. The show, based off of Ludwig's book, Lend Me a Tenor, is set in 1930s Paris. The story follows concert producer Henry Saunders as he painstakingly tries to keep his amorous Italian star Tito Morelli and his wife Maria from causing chaos. The show is filled with mistaken identities, romance, and plenty of shenanigans. Tickets for the production are $25 per person and $6 per person for limited-view seating and can be purchased online at www.ucstars.com or by calling the theater at 970 The show is rated PG-13 for mature content. For more information about the Stampede troupe, go to www.stampedetroop.com Craft Brewing Colorado Pint Day will be April 12. This year's glass design honors the Great Colorado Road Trip by Tamara Markard T-M-A-R-K-A-R-D at GreeleyTribune.com Colorado Pint Day, sponsored by the Colorado Brewers Guild, CBG, is scheduled to take place Wednesday, April 12, with a record-breaking number of participants in this year's event. The statewide event allows fans of craft beer to visit participating breweries to take advantage of special releases and tappings, beer specials, and the chance to snag one of the limited-edition custom Colorado Pint Day glasses. The event was founded in 2016 and each year showcases a new design for the pint glasses created by local artists. For every pint glass sold, one dollar of it will be donated to the Colorado Brewers Guild. The event has become so popular that other states, such as Idaho and Texas, have started their pint day events. When we started this passion project seven years ago, We launched with only 30 or so participating breweries, so it's mind-blowing to see how much it has grown, explained CBG Executive Director Shawnee Adelson. It's been so rewarding to watch the state of craft beer come together to participate and share in the excitement over the years. This year's pint glass design comes courtesy of Anna Long of Norlo Design out of Denver. Long's design celebrates the road trips around Colorado with a hand-drawn design that showcases all aspects of the state. Whether a lifelong Coloradan or a first-time visitor, the Great Colorado Road Trip provides an unforgettable adventure with views so breathtaking that you can't help but roll down your car window and soak them in with the fresh mountain air, Long wrote about her design on the CBG's website. In sunshine or snowfall, our beautiful four-season state offers something for everyone. In addition to a fun new pint glass design, the event is welcoming several new participating breweries to Colorado Pint Day. Of course, fans of Colorado Pint Day can expect to see the old favorites coming back for the event. To see a full list of participating breweries, go to http colon slash slash bit dot ly slash 3. Q, capital L, E, capital W, capital S, capital U. If you have a favorite local brewery or are looking to try a new brewery out that's on your radar, Colorado Pint Day is a great way to support independent and local craft beer, said Adelson. So get out there before glasses run out. The Colorado Brewers Guild is a nonprofit trade association that strives to promote, protect, and propel independent craft breweries across the state of Colorado. The nonprofit hosts and supports advocacy, community, education, and public awareness events for its more than 400 members. To learn more about Colorado Pine Day and the Colorado Brewers Guild, go to www.coloradobeer.org. State Basketball Playoffs. Devlin Disrupts University's Offense by Bobby Fernandez. B F E R N A N D E Z and GreeleyTribune.com. With the way the University and Devlin girls basketball teams traded baskets, traded defensive stops, and traded the momentum during an airtight semifinals game, whichever team advanced wasn't exactly going to charge through to the finals, more like poke through. And Thursday at the Denver Coliseum, the second-seeded Jaguars were feeling plenty pokey. Nothing hokey about it. In the tightest of spaces, Devlin poked ball after ball from the control of Bulldogs ball handlers as the Jaguars edged third-seeded university 49-44 in the semifinals of the Class 4A Girls Basketball State Tournament. Defensively, they play a lot like us. Bulldogs coach Matt Baumgartner said of the Jaguars, One of the things that hampered us, that we hadn't seen as much of, were the pokes from behind. They got several turnovers and got us out of our rhythm a little bit, but I'm so proud of these girls. They competed so well. university wrapped up its historic season with a 24-3 record, the most wins in a season in program history. The Bulldogs played in the semifinals for the third consecutive year. The Jaguars remained unbeaten, 27-0, heading into the title game against number 1 Holy Family, 24-3, at 10 a.m. Saturday at the Denver Coliseum. Though there were more than a few occasions in which rangy Devlin threatened to blow the game wide open, university would never allow it. In a game in which both teams tirelessly traded runs, sophomore power forward center Addison Harding pulled the Bulldogs within a basket, 41-39 on a layup with two minutes left. On the next possession, Jaguars senior Macy Shear converted her only three-point make of the game as the ball rolled in, out, and back in to give Devlin a 44-39 lead with one minute 32 left. That corner three proved to be the dagger, even as university's senior shooting guard Taryn Kravig and her title-hungry teammates battled up until the final seconds. We had multiple opportunities offensively and defensively, Kravig said. There were a few opportunities we had later, down the stretch, to make the game closer. We just didn't take advantage of them. It just wasn't our day. In addition to forcing 16 Bulldog turnovers, Devlin shot 48.6% from the field, compared to 34.1% for University. Kravig led the Bulldogs with 15 points, second in the game only to Jaguars senior Peyton Marvels, 21. As University's program has ascended to new heights in recent years, Kravig has been there for all of it. And if the Bulldogs ultimately do snag that first girls' hoop state title in school history in the coming years, chances are Kravig will be right there to celebrate with them, especially as her younger sister, Janae, is just a sophomore. We all play for each other, and that's a good quality in a team, Kravig said. Hopefully, I see that next year when I come back to watch. Bobby Fernandez covers high school sports for the Greeley Tribune. Reach him at 970-392-4478 by email at bfernandez at com or on Twitter at Bobby D. Fernandez. 5A Girls Basketball. A different team now. Fast-paced Roosevelt sprints past Durango into the state finals. By Bobby Fernandez. bfernandez at com. As a program. The Roosevelt girls' basketball team has been patient long enough. The Rough Riders have waited exactly 20 years to again play in a girls' hoops title game. They've waited even longer, the entire lifespan of the program, to win a girls' basketball state championship. So naturally, when they stepped on the court Thursday night with a state finals berth on the line, Roosevelt refused to wait any longer. The second seeded Rough Riders were urgent but in full control, hurried but not rushed, as they sprinted past number three Durango with a frenetic pace, defeating the overmatched Demons 59 to 39 in the state tournament's semifinals at the Denver Coliseum. The faster the better, said Roosevelt's five foot ten junior guard, Madison Moyers, who scored a game high 17 points. We have post players that can run and are super athletic. They can get out and go. It's really nice to just be able to chuck it up and get 15 fast break points per game. With the win, Roosevelt improved to 25-2, and heading into a title game against fellow Northern Colorado powerhouse, fourth-seeded Windsor, 20-7 and at 5.45 p.m. Saturday at the Denver Coliseum. They just worked their butts off, and all season they've been great. First-year Rough Riders coach Enoch Miller said, The thing I'm so proud of is we have a young team, but they've grown as the season has gone on. They've grown up. They've embraced unselfishness. They have learned as the season has gone on how to put the team above the individual. Roosevelt is a relatively and dangerously young team, it doesn't have a single senior on the roster. Nonetheless, six-foot junior power forward center Brooklyn Mesa said when she and her teammates stepped back into the Denver Coliseum on Saturday, they aren't doing so with the mindset of a squad that will undeniably have multiple chances for a state title. This is their third time. Not next year. Not the year after. Now. All of us have to step up and do our best to just make it to this point, said Mason, who scored eight points and grabbed nine rebounds. I don't think any of us have taken this for granted. We're so lucky to be here. Speaking of not taking anything for granted, even though Roosevelt has already defeated its finals foe this season, it is treating Windsor like it is a completely different team than the one the Rough Riders saw in the third game of their season. In many ways, the Wizards are a completely different team, compared to the one that lost a thriller, 61-59, to Roosevelt on December 10 in Windsor. Most notably, the Wizards added, midseason six-foot sophomore guard Rayleigh Hess, has transferred to Windsor after playing for Roosevelt a year ago. She was one of the Rough Riders' top players a year ago, and is one of the Wizards' top players now. And Myers and her teammates know Hess's and Windsor's talents all too well. It's definitely a different ballgame, Moyers said. They're a different team now. College Wrestling. A given number two seed at Nationals. Freshman Zerban earns at-large bid. By Jaden Watson-Fisher. J-W-A-T-S-O-N hyphen F-I-S-H-E-R at GreeleyTribune.com. University of Northern Colorado's three wrestlers set for the NCAA tournament found out their seating on Wednesday night. Freshman Steve Poulin, 125 pounds, and junior Andrew Aliris, 141, automatically qualified for nationals after winning individual conference titles over the weekend. Poulin qualified for the first time and holds a 28-5 record going into the tournament. He ranks number twelve in the intermat wrestling rankings as well, jumping from number twenty-seven. He earned a number six seed and will face number twenty-seven Eddie Ventresca, sixteen and seven of Virginia Tech, in the opening round. Aliris earned his fourth national qualification after winning his second straight Big Twelve title, the first wrestler in UNC history to achieve the feat. This will be just the second time, however, Aliris has actually competed at the tournament. He did not get to compete in 2020 or 2021 due to COVID-19 and injury, respectively. Last year, he finished just off the podium. The Greeley local ranks number one in the nation and holds a 23-0 record. He received the number two seed. Rial Woods from Iowa, 16-0, earned the top seed. Aliris faces number thirty-one Joseph Zarko of Wisconsin, twelve and twelve, to start the tournament. Freshman Vincent Zerbin, one hundred fifty-seven, joins his teammates in the qualifications, earning an at-large bid. Zerbin holds an eighteen and eleven record, which included an eighth-place finish in the Big Twelves. He is listed as the number thirty-two seed, one of the last to qualify in the weight class. And will face number thirty-three Nathan Lucas, nineteen and twelve of Army. Zerban would face North Carolina's Austin O'Connor, eighteen and zero, if he gets past the opening bout. UNC begins its NCAA tournament run at eleven a.m. Thursday in Tulsa, Oklahoma. ESPNU is set to carry all daytime sessions, while ESPN will carry the nighttime sessions. 5A Girls Hoops Windsor routes Glenwood Springs in semifinals. By Bobby Fernandez. B Fernandez at greeleytribune.com. Every little thing the Windsor girls basketball team did Thursday night was done with clear intention. That should come as no surprise. The Wizards' intentions are crystal clear. They are bound and determined to not just advance to their third title game in as many years, they are dead set on winning their second Girls' Hoops title in program history, which would be their first state championship since 1994. They checked off the first half of that two-tier task by dominating eighth-seeded Glenwood Springs 65-35 in the Class 5A state tournament semifinals Thursday at the Denver Coliseum. Now they'll focus on the second tier of that task when they face number 2 Roosevelt, 25-2, and two, in the title game at 5.45 p.m. Saturday back at the Denver Coliseum. I think with it being this late in the season, we just kind of know what to expect from all our players, said Windsor senior guard Reagan Johnson, who shared a team high of 10 points with sophomore Brooklyn Juracek. There is telepathy almost between us, we know where we're going to be, at which times. It's obvious where Johnson and her teammates will be Saturday night, playing for their first girls' hoops title in nearly 20 years. The fourth-seeded Windsors were simply electric on both ends, en route to improving to 20-7 and and punching their ticket to the state finals. They sent Glenwood Springs packing with a 19-8 and record, the past two seasons, the Windsors saw its campaign end in the 4A state finals, losing both times to Mullen. In both title games, the Wizards were at least a slight underdog, despite being the higher seed. At least on Saturday, the Windsor won't have to stare across the court at Mullen again. The Mustangs carried a younger team into the 6A playoffs this season, before losing in the first round. Furthermore, The Wizards, despite being a slightly younger team themselves this winter, have an experience advantage in the finals with the program's recent title game ventures. They also have undeniable momentum heading into the title game. We always knew, as a staff, the potential was there, Windsor coach Karen Nichols said. But there are a lot of pieces that have to fall into place for us to get back here. But this semifinals game is over. Our staff is already out scouting for the next game. Our kids don't have their phones. They haven't had them since we got on the bus. They won't have them until they get back on the bus. We're ultra-focused on finishing the job. The Wizards led in the semifinals 35-22 at halftime before completely blowing open the game. With a 14-2 third-quarter run, that allowed Windsor to lead 49-24, to entering the final eight minutes. The fact Windsor has maintained such a level of postseason consistency and excellence is particularly impressive, considering the team had to replace four of the five starters from this past year's squad. I didn't know what we were going to be coming into this season, with so many young players, Johnson said. I knew we would have the talent, but... I didn't know if we would have the camaraderie that we did last year. And I would wholeheartedly say this team is completely in it. There's not one person on our bench who I couldn't count on. College Baseball. UNC swept at Nebraska in two-game series. By Jaden Watson-Fisher. J. Watson-Fisher at GreeleyTribune.com Game 1. The University of Northern Colorado, 2-10, dropped its two-game series against Nebraska this week, starting with a 12-1 loss in seven innings on Tuesday afternoon. Nebraska jumped out to a 12-0 run across the first four frames, putting up four runs in the first and five runs in the fourth inning. The Bears' lone run came across in the top of the fifth, thanks to an RBI single from freshman Dominic Palma to bring home sophomore Bradley Halleck. Halleck drew a walk to get on base. In the bottom of the fifth, UNC sat the Cornhuskers down in order. Then the defense prevented Nebraska from adding to its run total in the sixth. The pitchers, however, struggled the rest of the game, giving up 13 hits and just as many free bases as strikeouts. On the opposite side, Northern Colorado batters recorded just five hits in the contest and struck out 11 times. Game 2. The Bears lost to the Huskers 14-3 in seven innings on Wednesday after taking a 2 to nothing lead in the second. Junior Carson Gross and Palma each recorded a single to get on the bags with Gross scoring on a wild pitch. Palma came home on a sacrifice fly from senior Hayden Hines. Nebraska responded dominantly. The Cornhuskers put up four runs in the second, three in the fifth, and a sixth spot in the sixth. Three of their runs, though, came from UNC fielding errors. Junior Jacob Bannister added one more UNC run in the seventh when he hit a solo home run. Northern Colorado heads to UC San Diego this weekend for three games. The first is scheduled for 1 p.m. today. 1A and 3A basketball quarterfinals. Highland and Windsor Charter boys. Briggsdale girls advance by Bobby Fernandez. B. Fernandez at GreeleyTribune.com Class 3A, boys. Number 4, Highland, 83, number 21, Skyview Academy, 35 in Denver. Highland completely dominated both ends of the court to punch its ticket to today's semifinals at the University of Denver. The Huskies led 23-8 after one quarter and 43-22 after two. Highland won its ninth consecutive game and improved to 22-3, and three. Hit will phase top seeded Faith Christian 23 and 1 in the semifinals at 5.30 p.m. today at the University of Denver. Skyview ended its season at 16 and 9. Number 6, Windsor Charter 51. Number 3, Centauri 39. The Firebirds advanced to the semifinals in their first season as a CHAA sanctioned program. They led most of the way and improved to 21 and 3. They'll face number two Salida, twenty-four and one, in the semifinals at eight thirty p.m. tonight at the University of Denver. Girls, number three Colorado Springs Christian, forty-four; number six Platte Valley, thirty-five, in Denver. Platte Valley's hopes of three-peating came to an end during the quarterfinals at the University of Denver. Colorado Springs Christian jumped out to a fourteen and two lead in the first quarter, and the Broncos could never fully recover. Senior Andy Schiessler led Platte Valley with 16 points, but she was the Broncos' only double-digit scorer. The Broncos ended their season at 17-8 and after winning the 3A state title the previous two years. Colorado Springs Christian improved to 23-2, heading into tonight's semifinals. 1A Girls Number 3, Briggsdale, 47. Number 11, Fleming, 31 in Greeley. For the third time this season, Briggsdale got the better of Fleming, this time in the high-stakes atmosphere of the 1A state tournament quarterfinals at Bank of Colorado Arena. The Eagles previously defeated the Wildcats 64-30 on January 28 in Fleming and 50-41 in an overtime affair on February 25 during a district title game at Northeastern Junior College in Sterling. Fleming ended its season at 15-8, and Briggsdale improved to 22-2 and will face number 2, Irons Academy, 23-1. The semifinals are today at 4 p.m. at Bank of Colorado Arena. The Bison are the two-time defending 1A champions, and they ended the Falcons' season the past two years, in the finals a year ago and in the semifinals the year before. Flatirons also handed Briggsdale one of its two losses earlier this season. Bobby Fernandez covers high school sports for the Greeley Tribune. Reach him at 970-392-4478 by email at bfernandez at GreeleyTribune.com or on Twitter at Bobby D. Fernandez. All right, now it's time for Jumble that Scrambled Word Game. Unjumble the letters to make a proper word. The clue letters in each of these answers become the jumbled letters to answer the puzzle. The cartoon is a clue to the jumble, where the answer is typically a pun or a word that is pronounced the same as another word, but differs in meaning. The first word, S-H-O-W-E, clue letters are 2, 4, and 5. Second word, S-E-D-S-R, clues are 1 and 4. Word three, A A. P-E-R, clue letters 1, 3, and 6. Fourth word, C-X-E-E-U-S, clue letters 1, 3, and 5. The cartoon depicts two women at an ATM. One woman says, I can't believe they won't take credit cards. This isn't going to help my balance. The second woman says, we just won't go out to eat next month. She got an advance on her credit card at the ATM because she was two words, seven letters, four letters. And the answers to last week's jumble are guess, tempo, arcade, and eureka. Purebred golden retrievers are great with kids, which the whole family pet agreed. Jean Phillips, Dear Abby. Gym relationship harder to quit than membership. Dear Abby, I am a healthy, single, 76-year-old man. I spend lots of time at a local gym. I met a woman there two years ago, and we went out for coffee. She is a few years younger than I am. She told me she was married, but it was a uh, complex marriage. What started as a friendship morphed into an intimate affair. We have many common interests and spend as much time as we can together. Given the circumstances, I know she will never get divorced. I've fallen in love with her, but I have never pressured her to divorce. She has grown children, and she doesn't want to upset them. I get it. There are also financial considerations and entanglements. Over the last six months, our relationship has become strained. It has turned into a push-pull type of situation. I know it's unhealthy for both of us, but I can't seem to let her go. We've come to the brink several times, but we have always talked through it. And we keep limping along. I don't know how to stop loving her. Even thinking about it causes me great mental distress. I'm looking for suggestions to ease the pain and figure out how to move on. Loving a married woman in Maine. Dear loving, because thinking about it causes you great mental distress, go cold turkey. You deserve more than to be someone's side dish. But in order to find a more fulfilling relationship, you must let this woman go and allow her to focus on her complex marriage. Then keep yourself busy, join another gym. Avoid places where the two of you used to hang out and get back into the swing of life. Dear Abby, I have been with my boyfriend for six years. He is wonderful. We became engaged last year. His family has been nice to me, but on holidays, I dread bringing a dish or dessert because none of them touch whatever I bring. It's insulting and hurtful end up upset and toss it in the trash. I come from a large family. My parents immigrated from the Philippines, and I look forward to our family holiday celebrations. We all cook, appreciate, and enjoy each dish or dessert we bring. I don't know if my fiancé's family is afraid to try my cooking, even though I make common, simple American dishes. He doesn't see the big deal when I raise the subject with him. My sisters all say I should stop bringing anything. Am I too sensitive? Is it worth taking anything to these gatherings? Hurt Cook in Kentucky. Dear Cook, Ask whoever is hosting these family get-togethers what the problem may be. It may have nothing to do with your cooking and more to do with the fact that they are set in their ways when it comes to holiday celebrations. I have to say, I agree with your sisters. Rather than waste the food, give it to a friend or a relative who might enjoy it. Keep it for yourself and your fiancé, or bring nothing more than a little host gift with you. Assorted nuts come to mind. Dear Abby is written by Abigail Van Buren, also known as Jean Phillips, and was founded by her mother, Pauline Phillips. Contact Dear Abby at com or... PO Box 69440, Los Angeles, California 90069. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, March 10, 2023 edition of the Greeley Tribune. My name is Thomas Fears. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303 7777